Let's stand together, give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Good to have everybody's uh, everybody here in God's house today. Look forward to another wonderful service. It's Fiesta Sunday. Fiesta. <laughs> Looking forward to food, but we got a, a wonderful time ahead of us before we get there. Well, all right, we have a birthday young lady in the red dress back there. Hey, come on up here. Come on. Is it her birthday? Oh, oh, well. I heard that loud and clear. The 11th. The 11th. All right. Let's sing to him, sister. Happy birthday to you. A happy birthday to you. May you feel Jesus First Lady has a birthday. Come on down here, sister. Her birthday is also the 11th. It's 29. You know, I found a card that said, I can't remember what it said. But something about getting older, but it was something about 29. I said, that's the perfect card. We ought to get that. But, it, it, but, we, did, but we didn't get that one. So. <laughs> And there's a little cash in there. Spend it however you want. There you go. All right. A happy birthday to you. A happy birthday to you. May you feel Jesus near every day of the year. A happy birthday to you. A happy birthday to you. Have the best year you've ever had. Amen. And is there anybody else that's having a birthday that I'm missing? I just love to embarrass you. All right, we will dismiss for Sunday school. And I'll turn it over to Brother Pierce. Maybe he ought to change it up sometime throw you all off from the same old birthday songs. I think there's there's another one out there, isn't there? I thought there was another churchy one. Or was that the only churchy one for the last 40 years? Hey! Yeah, yeah. Or we could learn it in Spanish or something. Miculpianos. <laughs> oh, there you go. We have all nations' birthdays. Amen. It's good to be here today, and uh, I know that you've seen a big change outside. 
Men showed up yesterday and worked hard. <laughs> Probably feeling that today. <laughs> Thankful for all the hard work. Today, we're going to go back into Psalm 103. Ho hopefully, we can get closer to finish this. I want to st stick to it and try to get through it. Um, so, Psalm 103, and we will read verses 14 through 19. And I am going to read this in the NEV, and you can follow along with the KJV there. Verse 14, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, he flourishes. For the hot wind passes over it, and it is gone. The place where it was is not known. Let that sink in for a moment. Man is like a grass, a flower that blooms, dies. And nobody knew where it was after that. It's our life. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and to those who remember to do his commandments. Verse 19. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Let's ask the Lord to help us today. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that you have been doing and you are continuing to do, and we know that you will finish what you started. And I pray today, God, that there would be a continuation in our lives, that we would be receptive to the words that would, what would cause us to move closer to you. I pray for your anointing to speak your anointed word and that your, your people would, would be anointed to receive your word today, that there would be revelation, that there would be insight, God, and we want you to have your way in this place, in this house, in your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So for a few moments, I want to minister from this subject, a temporary moment an internal, an eternal decision. David writes of man's frailty and how easy it is for mankind to make wrong decisions. But he also writes of the mercy of God and how he is able to help us walk through life. We need that. He knows that we need that. He knows that we need his help, whether we know it or not. He knows that, uh, that without him, we're just going to 
We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. And even with him, there's still opportunity for us to go in the wrong direction and fail as well, isn't there? Because as we, as we live, we grow. As we fail, we learn. Everything that we do is part of the process. Everything that happens in our life uh, will either help us focus on who is in control or cause us to lose focus. It's easy for us to have a shout down and then go out and have a meltdown. In just a few moments, our, I mean, our, our emotions are all over the place. We can, we can be emotionally charged and not be spiritually charged. We can, we can feel excitement in the house and not feel it when we leave and think that we've done something, think that we're lost, think that all kinds of things. We're, we're frail, just like the flower the blade of grass that grows up real quick, grows up out of the ground, and then when it withers, it dies. You, 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 don't even, you don't even know where it was. There were some flowers out there when we were out there digging a weed and stuff that used to be there. They're not there because they've done died out. But there's, there's still some seed in the ground. There's still remnants of that in the ground. But, but right now you don't see it. You don't see it. So it happens in our life. Like we, we live, right? We live our life, but a few years after we would pass away, we're, we're, like a, we're a fading memory. As much as we like to think of ourselves as being something. And a few years after our death, nobody will know our name. But God... But God put us here for him, for himself. Because when he knows us, he's not going to forget us. Our days may be few, right? But he's... Our days may be few, but listen, where we're going is eternal. He knows us. He knows who we are and where we are. He knows how we are formed. He knows our abilities. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our limitations. Somebody say this today. I don't want you all say it. We'll all say it today. He knows my limitations. Don't think for a moment that when you fail that God didn't see it. That when you fall short, that God didn't see it. He knows us. He knows our downsittings and our uprisings. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse uh, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able? Was he, was he saying, I know your limitations. 
And with that being said, I know your limitations, but I'm also going to make a way for you to get out of this. Uh, If we'd only trust him, if we'd only believe that when we are in the midst of temptation, that God is going to open a door of our escape. If I can just visualize this, that in the moment of my need, he'll come to my rescue. If I can just fix my eyes on what he said, this isn't going to destroy me. This isn't going to take me out. This temptation is not going to end me. God's going to make a way for me to get out of this. He's going to make a way for me to come out of this. There's going to be a door. Somebody said, I ain't seen it yet. Well, do you trust him? Well, I say I do. That's really what they say. Yeah, I trust him. Well, if you trusted him, then you would believe If you trusted him, your actions would declare he's making a way for me. I'm not going to get bent out of shape or burn up by my temptation. I'm getting out of this. Because God is faithful. He will not permit you to be tempted above what you can endure. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. He's going to make a way for you to get out of that. Because the temptation will not stop coming to us. Because we have to choose who rules over us. You have to choose what rules your life. You have to choose. This is not something that is common knowledge in our world. It's not even common knowledge in the church in some, in some places and even in some people's lives. You could spend a lifetime wandering in the wilderness, traversing through life, a slave to the grind, not realizing who has dominion over you. We could be oblivious to who reigns on our life. I keep going back to to Samson and how the last time that he tried to play with God in the lap of Delilah, that he, he got up and thought that he was going to be able to do what he had always done and didn't even know that the Spirit was no longer with him. Where did my power go? It's the same thing in our world. We can, we can live our life not realizing that we're stuck in a cycle that the enemy designed. Because most people don't think about spiritual things, being controlled, the spiritual influence, having dominion over them, because it's not discerned. The natural man is oblivious to the spiritual realm. The natural man doesn't have a clue. The natural man cannot discern spiritual things. 
That's why our culture's in, 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 the, in the ruts and the cycles that it's in is because they cannot see the destructive end. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Let's give you a little headline here. The devil doesn't want to make his agenda known. And he doesn't reveal himself because he wants to be undetected. Like a like a give you a visualization here. Like a a puppet. We know, based on children's ministry, that a puppet is just the voice of the one that's controlling the puppet. And so if the devil can go undetected in your life, you won't recognize that he's really just calling the shots. You're just really in alignment with, with his plan and his agenda, going along with, with the path. You know, you got so many, you got so many clueless people in our world that are just going along with the flow of the culture of the of the majority. And they're just they're just speaking the rhetoric that they learn in school. They're speaking the rhetoric that they, they don't understand they don't have an understanding because they can't spiritually discern it. They're just lost in the cycle of 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 saying what somebody else said. Because, listen, this is the reality. If you can't see him, you can't fight him. If you can't perceive him, you will think it's your thoughts, and it could be your sinful nature, but he gains dominance through deceit. The only way that he can, he can have dominion over a person's life is through deception. And he can come into the church house and begin to deceive a saint, uh, begin to see, deceive a person who has given themselves to the Lord and pledged their allegiance to him. They can find themselves deceived and lose the dominion over the enemy. How does he do this? We can see. We can see his dominance in the world. It's in the culture. It's in the school systems. You know, when I was growing up, I mean, times were a lot different. Uh, as far as what happened in schools, you didn't really have all the violence. There were fights, things like that, but there weren't there, there weren't shootings. It, it wasn't just outright evil. But but I know that at, even at that point, the enemy still had an agenda that he was working to bring us to this point where we are now culturally. Think about all the things that have been pushed through the years. We send our kids to K through twelve, right? And the whole time they're learning evolution. As, as truth. 
not theory. They don't, they don't even in a God-fearing society uh, like, uh, like the United States has been there's, always been, there's always been an agenda of the enemy to confuse. There's always been indoctrination in the school system. We're going we're gonna to show you that billions of years ago, uh, this is what happened through the process of evolution. Although it's just a theory, it's not truth. It's been ingrained. It's been instilled in the children's lives and their minds. And so this, this work of the enemy and the culture is producing a godless culture. And as long as he can go undetected, he will accomplish his will. This is, this is what's so vital about the church. The church can make a difference because the church sees things that the world doesn't see things. But if the church is silent and the church is asleep, the enemy will ravage schools. It will ravage homes. It will disrupt society. As long as good people are quiet, the enemy wins. Because the truth is, we've been, we've, we've not been who we need to be. Because we're so busy. We are so busy. So busy. I just, I feel an urge to, to say what I've, been, what I've been working on over the last little bit that I'm not preaching today. But in Deuteronomy chapter 1, Israel, Israel was content around the mountain that they were at, where they were positioned. And God told Moses to tell them, you've been here too long. This, this occurred to me, and I'm, I'm probably say this again, because I think it needs to be something that, that's shouted in every service and, and, every, and, every, and everything that we, we endeavor to do for the kingdom of God. His, what we have created culturally is we dance around the mountain in different locations. We'll go, we'll go from camp meeting to camp meeting to conference to youth congress to youth rallies. And the only thing that we're accomplishing is dancing around our revelation of who Jesus is. Instead of going on to promise and going on to purpose what God has for, for, the, for the church of the living God, we're too busy dancing around the mountain of revelation. Why? Because it's comfortable. We understand it. We don't understand the supernatural, so we're fearful of the supernatural. But listen, the promise is let's go on to the promised land. Let's go on to signs, wonders, and miracles. We got to go on from the revelation of who Jesus is I refuse to spend my days spinning my wheels doing the same thing in different locations expecting different results tell me somebody tell me what that is 
Has the church been insane? We're so closed up in buildings that all we're doing is dancing around. And the Lord is saying, you've been here too long. Church, it's more than holiness. It's more than Acts 2.38. It's about accomplishing the purpose that God had established uh, from eternity. From the pages of eternity that are forever. God has a purpose for the church. And it's not to dance around the mountain. It's to go into the promised land and obtain the promises of God. How else are we going to confront the culture if we're too busy dancing around the church? We, we got our schedules filled up with mountain dancing. Well, I can't do that this weekend. We're going over here to this other place and we're going to dance around the mountains some more. Listen, don't... don't Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This place is valuable, but it has to go beyond where we've been. If there is not something inside of you that said, there has to be more than me just dancing around to the truth that God's given me. Listen, God wants to take us into the future. And in the future, there has to be more than a revelation. There has to be demonstration. It's got to go beyond theology and it's got to get into the place where we begin to demonstrate the power of God. But you know, in order for us to demonstrate, we're going to have to not be bound in fear. Well, Lord, how about I just give Max 238? They're not going to understand it unless there's demonstration. They're not going to understand it unless they... We can, we, can, we, can, we can talk to somebody till they're blue in the face, except the Lord confirm his word with signs following they won't see it. Hear me. It's got to go beyond what we know. It's got to be more than what we're doing. What do you propose if we get serious? And we face our fears, we face confusion, we face our doubt, we face our unbelief, and we say, God, I don't want to be, I don't want to be dancing around the mountain while secretly I'm denying your power and denying what you want to do. He doesn't call us, he doesn't call us out of Egypt to dance around the mountain. He calls us into the wilderness so we can lose ourselves and step into the promises of God. We can be full of ourselves at the base of the mountain, but when we walk through the wilderness, you begin to lose yourself. And when you lose yourself, you're about to step into promise. You're about to step into suit, but you can't do it in your flesh. You can't do it with fear. You can't do it with doubt. you got to do it in the resurrection of the power of the Spirit in your life.
think the Lord's trying to break in on us. He's trying to break through your, your logical thinking right now. He's trying to break through everything so he can de deliver a message to his people today. It's not just another Sunday with a taco bar on the other side of it. This is a Sunday where we should come expecting the supernatural visitation of the presence of God. Because how are we going to combat it? Listen to me, brother and sister. How are we going to combat the wickedness that's, that's in high places? The, 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 subtle, the subtle work that's been gradually increasing in schools and in our culture where the whole culture has shifted away from anything God and it's just completely anti-Christ. It's just completely the school system, the media. You look everywhere your eyes see and you open yourself up to, you're going to see anti-Christ uh, symbolism and, and rhetoric. You're going to see it in the hour that we're living because it's increasing. The wickedness is increasing. You're going to see it in fashion. You're going to see it in politics. You're going to see it in religion. You're going to see all of these, all of these things happening through the working of the Antichrist spirit. Because this is what he can do and be effective with it because his subtle work appeals to us based on what makes the most logical sense. How can, how can the enemy really affect a hum, uh, humanity is to keep them in logical thinking. Well, this doesn't make sense. This is the way it should be. Because look, he manipulates people through their five senses. Think about it. He makes people say things like, it doesn't look bad. That don't sound bad. That doesn't feel bad. That doesn't taste bad. Well, that doesn't smell bad. So it must not be bad. The masses are doing it, and there is no visible repercussions. One cigarette, one beer, one joint, one pill, one needle, one website, one lucrative career offer, one winning lottery ticket, one casino jackpot. All he needs is one window of opportunity to show you the flash of his kingdom. And our sinful nature says, sign me up. Because here's the truth. We won't know there's a problem until we see the consequences of our actions. And sometimes then it's later, later on in our, in our, in our uh, walk of this, of this new found revelation where we're seeing all the things that the enemy has shown us and we've just said, okay, I want to do this. I want to be a part of this. And one thing leads to another. And one thing leads to another. Listen, he's calling all the shots. He's, you know what he... I promise you, when I was at home uh, uh, living with my dad in Indianapolis, and uh, 
It's almost like the devil was, was making connections for me. I'd get there, uh, sitting there at the house, bored out of my wits, and somebody would call me up and say, hey, you want to go party? And at this point, I'm like, let's do it. And you go to a place where they're indulging in, in all kinds of uh, activities, drinking and smoking and carrying on and playing music, and it all seems harmless and it all seems innocent, and, and people look like they're having the time of your life, and this has been ordained by the enemy. Never fails. You try to do something good, guess who's going to come knocking at your door? You try to turn your life around. You try to go to church. Guess who's going to come knocking at your door? Uh, why don't you hang out with us anymore? Why don't you do the things we used to do? Come on, there's something different about you. You're not the same. You got kind of boring. You're, you're not the, you don't have any life. Look at you. Your face is drooping. There's something wrong with you. You're going to a cult church, aren't you? Man, they've, they've brainwashed you. I'm not saying anything that I haven't heard or that I haven't experienced. I'm saying this because I know how the enemy plays. I know, I know his tactics and his strategies. They're not new. He just shifts his focus. I'll come back to them when they're, when they're not paying attention, and then I'll sow some more seed, and I'll open a door for them to walk through. I'll convince them to do it because I'm behind the scenes. I'm manipulating everything that they see, what they see with their eyes. I'm going to flash it before you. Look, Eve, it's fruit. There's nothing harmless about it. Go ahead and eat. It's good. It'll satisfy. Oh, but the, but the thing is, is when there is a reach for the thing that God said not to, you'll find out eventually it doesn't satisfy. Because the reality is all that is in the world leads to bondage. Everything in the world leads to bondage. You're not going to experience any kind of enlightenment or freedom. It's bondage. The lust of the flesh is bondage. The lust of the eye is bondage. The pride of life is bondage. And those are the only things that the enemy has to offer. Let me toss this out to you so I can pull you into bondage and you can be fearful. I'm going to introduce fear into your life. Get you so far away from God and then I'm going to destroy your thoughts and I'm going to manipulate and I'm going to cloud your mind. I'm going to cause all kinds of confusion and aggression. I'm going to cause depression to enter in and oppression to, to possess you. I'm going to take over. I'm going to be the one pulling the strings and you're not going to find freedom because I got dominion over you. The truth is, is when we hand over dominion, when a person hands over dominion, when they give themselves to the enemy, they lose. They lose. They lose. Nobody says, well, I don't live for God and I have, I have, I have morals. That's a lie. You cannot separate morality from God. And anybody apart from God doesn't have a morality. They might think that they have it, 
They might even believe that some parts of their life, uh, they, they have a guideline, but all those other parts of their life uh, uh, that nobody knows about. And that's why there will be, be things that will be brought out of a man's life. And people will be like, ooh, we didn't know that was there. You know how good the media is about pulling things out? You remember what they did to Trump? What they did to all kinds of things, right? Anybody tried to do a good thing, and they go into their past, and they pull out all the dirt that they did. Well, what about this? This wasn't that good. Or what about that? Well, that's what the devil does, right? He's the accuser of the brethren. He wants to reach into the past and say, well, what about this right here? And what about that? And so people, regardless of their, of their moral plumb line, there's some skeletons in the closet, Because this is the thing, if, if, if a man can be moral without God, then God's a liar. Because the scripture reveals to us that no one's good. Not one person is good. Well, they appear to be good and they do good things and they, and they man, they give, they give $1,000 a week to charity, but they make $10 million. It looks good. It appears to be good, but it's face. It's all face. Look what I'm doing. Meanwhile, driving a $150,000 vehicle, living in a $6 million home. Well, I give every once in a while and I do these good things. Yeah, but you got a gambling problem. You got a sin problem. You got a room dedicated to your websites. Because here's the thing people, people are wicked without the Lord. And the only thing that we can do is cry out to the only one who's perfect. And He came. He came so He could open a door for us to get out of where we are. All that is in the world leads to bondage. And if it's left up to us to reason it out, we will say things like, this is the way that I am. This is the way that I am. I can't change it. Or, you know, the, the, one of the famous quoted, I was born this way. There's no change in me. I'm confused, and that's who I am. That's, that's, that's the way I was wired. But the reality is I choose where I live. I choose. I choose. I choose where I live. We have been given a temporary moment to make an eternal decision. When that thought came to me, I, I, I was arrested by it in a sobering way. We have been given a temporary moment to make an eternal decision. Life is a vapor, right? The flower fadeth, and then it's no more. But we have this moment here right now to make an eternal decision.
Life is here today and gone. Our choices determine our destiny. And they also reveal our king. Many are going to stand before the white throne judgment and realize they've lived wickedly. Many are going to stand before the Lord and say, well, we thought we was going to be okay. How many funerals? How many funerals were somebody preached somebody into heaven because they didn't want to preach them into hell? Knowing that they live wicked. I'll be the first to say we ought to be sober when it comes to thinking about eternal decisions. We ought to be so sober. Like, you know, I'm afraid to, I'm afraid to make a decision without asking God. Because listen, what we could do, we could, we could waste our entire temporary moment resisting God. And in that, we choose where we're going. When we resist God, we're choosing something else. When we resist his correction and his instruction, we're choosing something else. There are only two destinations, and we get to choose. I get to choose where I'm going to spend eternity. Well, how? By surrendering my life to God, recognizing how wretched and undone I am without Him. And on top of all this, if I am choosing, if I am choosing the other destination, separated from God, if, I, if I'm choosing that destination, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to have to fight grace and mercy all of my days. Listen, I believe grace and mercy is available for every man. In here, in Winchester, in Lexington, in Kentucky, in the entire nation, in the entire world, grace and mercy is available. Let's look at this, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to how many? All men. But I can also say this. It's reserved for those who choose it. It's available for all men, but it's reserved for those who choose it. Let's look at the next passage, verse 12. Teaching us, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world. What does the grace of God that bringeth salvation do for us? It teaches us how to not be like the culture, right? How to not do ungodly things. How to not to be, be invested in the world and chasing worldly lust. The grace of God 
teaches us. And then for somebody to say, well, Lord, I didn't have the opportunity and I didn't have the instruction, but you had access to the grace of God. Miss Mercy. Grace and mercy calls us out of darkness and into the light. And we can say it like this, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's what grace and mercy does for us. It calls us out of darkness and into the light. Grace and mercy says, you've been here too long. It's time to move on. It's time to grow. It's time for you to be who I've called you to be. Why is it so heavy? Well, because it's eternity. We're talking about eternity. We're not talking about losing an Xbox game. We're not talking about losing a football game or a basketball game. We're not talking about losing we're not talking about losing ten dollars or twenty dollars or a hundred dollars or even a thousand dollars. We're not talking about losing losing things. We're talking about eternity. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? But, but, but you see, there's no way that I can come back. That's what the enemy has told you. That's what the enemy has told you. Listen, don't you think the enemy is trying to, trying to hold on to his strings? No, you can't go back there. God doesn't want you. He doesn't love you. I got so much for you. Come on, why don't you turn around and look? Uh, look at the tangible things before you. Come on, why don't you look at the gold and look at the silver? Why don't you why don't you lust after those things? Don't let God save you. No, he doesn't love you. Don't listen to the preacher. Don't listen to the brother or the sister that's trying to pull you from the fire of hell. No, the enemy wants to hold on to dominion. He's got a hold of the strings. Why don't you turn around and rip those out of his hands and say, I don't believe your lie. Devil, I don't believe your lie. I am coming out. Somebody needs to get dominion back today. And it's easy. It's easy as saying, oh, Lord, here am I once again. Here, it's me once again. Once again. Is there still a spot for me in the light? I'm tired of the darkness. I'm tired of the darkness. So, uh, let, me talk, let me talk to somebody for a moment. You lost your fight. Let, let the Lord restore your will to war in this house today. 
Let the Lord help you get your fight back. Let the Lord help you get your prayer life back. Get your Bible study back. Let the Lord help you get your calling back. Let the Lord restore what the enemy has stolen, what the enemy has taken from you. The enemy is not going to stop, but you don't have to let him continue. Devil, I choose. Somebody say that today. I choose. Now make it personal. Devil, I choose. Flesh, I choose. Flesh, I choose. I'm not going to let the, the, the law in my member bring me into captivity. I'm not going to let my sinful uh, nature bring me into captivity. Oh, but I, I can hear the words of Paul say, uh, now therefore there's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, uh, but after the spirit. Uh, I can hear the voice of Paul saying, uh, through the spirit, uh, you can mortify the deeds of the body through the spirit today somebody can regain victory through the spirit somebody can regain the restoration of their power come on acts 1 and 8 people Come on, Acts 2.38, people. It's time to move on from the mountain. Uh, there is demonstration of power ahead of you, and the enemy has tried to get you to be content with playing church and not being the church. Uh, the enemy wants to keep you locked in uh, to running laps around. Uh, uh. running laps around what you know so he can keep you from stepping into what you don't know. Come on, somebody stir this up. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're your people. Oh, and we're expecting you to lead us. We're expecting you to guide us, Lord. We're expecting you to order the steps of your people. In the name of Jesus. Come on, fight against your flesh right now. Somebody push through your flesh right now. I choose this day. I choose the Lord. I'm making my decision right now. I'm drawing the line in the sand. And devil, I'm not letting you back. I'm not letting you back in. I'm not letting you back in to disrupt and to destroy. I'm not letting you in to disrupt my faith. I'm not letting you in to sow discord and disgruntledness in my life. I'm not letting you come back in to sow bitterness and sorrow. Oh, somebody just start telling, telling that enemy, telling that 
that fork-tongued devil, I take dominion and authority over you, over your influence in my life. And in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I'm getting my authority back. I'm getting my life back in order. I want more than what I have, God. I want more than where I am. I want more, God. I'm not content with this. I'm not content with where I am. I need more of you, Jesus. I need more of you, Jesus. I need more of you in my thoughts. I need more of you in my perspective. I need more of you in my peripherals. I need more of you. Oh, somebody began to start prophesying into the wind. Somebody start speaking life into this place. I release it in the name of Jesus. I speak life by the authority of the word of God and by the power that is in the name of Jesus. I release a word of restoration by faith through the name. I release a word of healing. I release a word of expectancy. I I release the gifts of the spirit in this house to bring about the edification of the body of Christ. Christ. I speak it in the name of Jesus. I release healing in the name of Jesus. Oh, I speak into this atmosphere that the grace and mercy of God would permeate every every fiber that we breathe in, that every breath would be filled with grace and mercy, that every breath that we breathe in in the presence of God would be filled, we'd be breathing in purpose. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I'm not going to sit here and not rejoice. I'm going to stand and I'm going to worship and I'm going to praise and I'm going to get victory and I'm going to get strength and I'm going to leave this house without fear. I'm going to leave this house without my failure. Come on. What you need to do is release your failure at this altar and leave without it because God, the God of mercy is in this house and he wants to deliver you from it. He wants to set you free from it. He wants to rid your life of your failures, your past mistakes, and give you victory to walk in the newness of life. Yes, Almighty God. 
Come on, child of God. You shouldn't be fearful. You should be full of faith. You shouldn't be struggling with anxiety. You should learn how to cast all of your cares upon him. You're not in this by yourself. You're not in this alone. The God that you serve has gone before you. And the path that you are walking in is full of fear and not faith. You're drifting off the course. Come on, brother and sister. Don't drift off the course. Get back to the place where you believe that God is good and that God is faithful and that he rewards them that diligently seek him. I wish somebody would cry out as if you was looking over your enemy's shoulder to get a hold of the Savior's attention. I wish somebody would get a blind Bartimaeus moment and say, I don't see the crowd. I don't see the scoffers. I don't see my enemy. I see my Redeemer. I see my Savior. I see the miracle worker. I believe the I believe something supernatural is trying to break in among us here. Come on, I, I feel I feel the bowing of the atmosphere. I feel the bowing of the atmosphere. The presence of the Lord is close. His glory is close. But what we have to do is lose ourselves. I want to reach up and I want to reach up and bring it closer. Somebody reach up with faith and bring it closer. Reach up with your worship and bring it closer to you. Reach up with your worship and bring it closer to you. God, I need a manifestation of your power and strength in my life. God, I need the supernatural deliverance of your spirit. Reach up into the spirit with your faith and grab a hold of what God wants to do.
come on, let's not let the enemy disrupt what God is trying to build in this church. He's trying to build a mighty church, a powerful church, a church that knows their God and does exploits. Somebody start binding and loosening some things in the house of the Lord. Come on, God's given you the authority to do it. He's given you the authority to speak it. Come on, you got to speak it and expect it because God has given it. I believe the Lord has stirred some people into action today. I believe the Lord has stirred some people into letting their voice be heard. I believe you're breaking the barriers of your of your flesh and you're reaching into the supernatural. And I believe God is going to bring restoration and deliverance into your life. veteran apostolic you've been where you are way too long it's time to get the fire of the Holy Ghost burning up everything in your life that does not represent the kingdom of God
Church of the living God, what we have to do is stop waiting on a time slot to get what God tries to give us. We ain't supposed to be having this yet. Hey, when the Lord shows up and does what he's doing right now, we got to scrap everything and get a hold of what he wants to do. Why would we try to shut down what he has just broke through? I want to call I want to call you out right here. If this is you, I want you to run here. If you struggle, if you struggle with fear, I want you to come. I want you to run up front. Don't be afraid. I want you to look at fear and come running up here. God's going to deliver you of fear. If you struggle with anxiety, I want you to come up here. God's going to deliver you. I wish somebody else would recognize what the Lord is trying to accomplish in your life today. Get a hold of it. Don't leave this place while the presence of the Lord has rested upon us today to accomplish his purpose.
just rest in his presence right now? Oh, his presence is here in such a mighty way. Why don't you lift your hands? We welcome you to raise your hands with us all over this house. Thank you, Jesus.
Let's stretch forth our hands toward the holy God. So holy, so worthy, and so wonderful. Holy, holy, holy. We join the angels and cry holy today. So holy, so holy, so holy, so holy.
tell you what happens when a holy God comes face to face with broken humanity. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asking alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. <laughs> Here's the key. He gave heed to them expecting to receive something from them. When God gets your attention, you better look up expecting to receive something. That ought to be your posture. Peter fastened his eyes upon him. Look on us. Gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. When you see somebody walking around here and you see somebody praising God, it's because when, when somebody said, look up, they looked up with expectation. And God touched their life and brought healing into their body. And the reason that I praise God the way I do is because he healed me, because he touched me, because he changed my life. We still believe that God is healing people. We still believe. Listen. I, I believe what God is trying to get his people to recognize is that the one thing that we've lost through the years is expect, expectation. Because we've come, we've come to church expecting it to be the same old, same old. What would happen if we came here expecting God to, to heal our bodies? We came in here expecting God to do supernatural wonders and signs. What would happen if we came in here expecting God to bring deliverance? In our, I believe the atmosphere would be charged with faith and with Holy Ghost power and fire. I feel it today, y'all. I, I feel it today. I feel the surge today. I feel the awakening. I feel the way it's on us today. Come on, somebody. What you need to do is, is square your shoulders and expect the faithful God to meet you where you are. Oh. Instead of me coming here and expecting God to withhold his hand from me, I'm going to come here and expect something to be released from his hand. Because he's good. He's not hanging something over your head hoping you do the right thing. You know, I've already said this before. What happened when the prodigal son came home? The father didn't waste any time. He went, ran, and fell before he even confessed his sin. 
the father fell on him and hugged him I've loved you from the moment you left and I never stopped loving you when you came home I had my eyes fixed on the road awaiting your arrival and now you're here Is, is a prodigal. He didn't expect to. He didn't expect to find what he found. You know what he? He probably expected. Uh, he probably expected his dad to have his arms crossed. I told you you should have never left. Come on, dum dum. Let's go back in the house. We got your quarters in the in there by the mule since you've been acting like a mule. Who knows what he was thinking about when he, but he was full of guilt and shame, you know, and condemnation. But when he met the father on that road back to the house, what he met was love. What he met was restoration. What he met was healing and deliverance. What he met was a good and faithful God who keeps his covenant to them who love him and keep his commandments. What happens if I walk away? If you come back to his commandments, uh, he's got restoration for you. If you come back to the house, uh, he's got healing for you. If you come back, he's got deliverance. What happens if I make a mess of my life? It does not matter. If you return, he's waiting. Every time Israel backslid, Every time Israel fell into idolatry and they gave themselves to the idols of the world and, and the foreign gods, every time they gave, God said, okay, you want them? Go have them. And then when he gave them up, it wasn't final. Listen, when he gave them up, there was still mercy for them. When he gave them up, there was still goodness and faithfulness waiting for them to come to themselves and come back. They're going to recognize. They're going to wake up and recognize how good they had it in my house. And when they come back, they're going to find a good and faithful God. That's not even in my notes, y'all. Oh, but there is something here. It's not of this world. telling you God is good you got a few minutes so I can finish this okay okay y'all y'all are okay with that all right listen the Lord met us here this morning and um, and we just we just spilled right into the next service because what God is doing in this hour, a lot of people are resisting and believing that God's not doing it anymore. God is awakening his people to see 
their stagnant state. God did not call us to become stagnant. Rivers of living water never stop flowing. He never meant for the water in your life to stop flowing. So we, we have, this morning, we, we were talking about, we were reading from Psalm 103, verse 14 through 18, and I guess since you all are standing, we'll just go ahead and read that real quick. And I read this to you like I read it this morning in Sunday school from the modern English version. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field. He flourishes for the hot wind passes over it and it is gone. The place where it was is not known. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and to those who remember to do his commandments. And so the subject of our focus is a continuation from Sunday morning was a temporary moment, an eternal decision, an eternal decision. I mean, y'all may be seated. Can you continue on this thought? Is that our life is short. We're here today. We're gone. We, we go through school. We get a job. We have kids. The next thing you know, you're in your 40s. You'll get there, bro. You're over there knocking, ain't you? Hey, because, it, listen, our life is so quick, you'll wake up and got, you'll have gray hairs. And he was like, man, I remember, I remember looking back, because th thanks, Facebook memories. <laughs> Look back at some of those photos, like, man, you have some dark hair. What happened? My kids still say I have black hair, and I look in the mirror like, what are you seeing? I'm like, I don't see it right here. Maybe back here's a little different, you know. But it's, it's I, I remember reading something somewhere. I shared this already, but uh, the writer said something to this effect. Your gray hairs are God's way of saying, Her, uh, get it together or something to that effect. You're running out of time. Get ready. And there's a lot of truth to that. We can, we can waste time. I mean, I think about my life and where I was 13 years ago. At the very end of my rope, wasted years. I wasted years. I don't know, it was somewhere about 11, 11 and a half, 12 years that I wasted. Just like that, boom, gone. Because when, when, it's like when, when you get sucked up into the world of, uh, uh, that we live in and the cares of life and you get caught up in the culture, you get caught up in all the craziness, uh, the riotous living is what uh, the scripture uh, reveals about the world, what's, go what's going on in the world. You just, 
you, you, you snap your finger and, and you lose a decade. And you have nothing to show for it. Nothing to show for it. You know, I mean, it's, it's literally the story of coming home empty-handed. The prodigal son came home. He came home empty-handed. He had nothing. He had nothing to, to bring back and to show for where he's been, what he spent his time doing. He came back empty. So our life is a temporary moment at best. But what we do has eternal consequences. Where am I at? In my life, in my walk? Am I, am I caught up in all the temporary things? Am I, am I caught up in, in the... In the culture, the craziness, this world. This world has gone crazy. And it's only going to get worse. It's not going to, don't fool yourself, it's not going to get better. This is exactly what Paul was writing about would happen. In perilous times, he talks about men getting worse and worse. He doesn't talk about them getting better. The world of yesterday is gone. What we need to get a hold of now is we're about out of time. This thing is wrapping up, y'all. And God's coming back for a bride. He's, the Lord is coming back for a bride who hath made herself ready. Looking and waiting to get out of this. But while we're here... The church is supposed to be the difference makers in the, in the, in the world. God, God wants to use people to reach people. He wants to use your voice, your testimony, your understanding. The, you, well, I just have a little bit. He wants to use your little bit and multiply it. He'll take your little bit of knowledge and you'll, you'll, be, you'll be shocked at what God would Speak out of your mouth. I don't know how many times I've been in a situation where I begin to speak and God would just supply my every word is supplied by him. And when I got done saying things, there's no way I can repeat what just said was said. And that's what God will do. He will show up and he will do because he's faithful. He's good. And this is all about him. It's his kingdom. He calls us into the kingdom of light. He takes us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, not to close us up in a building. Right? What, do you, what did Jesus say? We don't, you don't put a bushel. You, you, let it, you let it shine for all the house to see. You let it shine. Let your good works be seen. Let, let the world see his goodness. Let the world see his love. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. I'll read this to you in the modern English version. Giving thanks to the Father who has enabled us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood 
the forgiveness of sins. We know, based on his word, that the Father is the Spirit of God. Right? Are you with me here? He's the Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God. Right? He's the Son for the purpose of atonement and for a pattern of living. There was not one man who could walk perfectly without sin to show people how to walk in a way that would please God. So God, who is perfect, took upon himself the form of a servant to pay our debt, to establish his kingdom, and become a doorway into his kingdom and show those inside how to walk in it. Paul said the kingdom of his dear son, but David said something else. Now let's go back and look at what what David said in Psalm 103, verse 19. I once again will read this in the modern English version, and you can follow along with this in the KJV. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. So Jehovah, or Yahweh's throne, is established in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Are David and Paul talking about two different kingdoms? He said the kingdom of his dear son And then David's writing The the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens And his kingdom ruleth over So if his kingdom Ruleth over all If Yahweh Right Which is a a better A a more uh, uh, Preferred translation Transliteration to the word Jehovah Is Yahweh So if his If his throne is his heaven And his kingdom ruleth over all And then we have the son who has a kingdom Are there two separate kingdoms Or is this still about the same kingdom Brother Bernard writes this We are now in the kingdom of the son That is we now partake of the grace of God Purchased by the atoning death Burial and resurrection of the son We presently enjoy the spiritual blessings of the kingdom of God, Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Yet there is a future consummation of the kingdom of God that awaits us, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24 through 28. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But then when he, hath, when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is expected which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. We are already in possession of the inheritance, but we now partake only of the first fruits, the down payment. In eternity, we will not simply be in the kingdom of the Son, but we will enjoy the fullness of the kingdom of God. Bruce explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 20, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For Christ's mediatorial sovereignty is then emerged in the eternal dominion of God. So through the nerve, what does this mean for us today? I know it said quite a bit here. 
through the new birth, water and spirit, we have entered into the kingdom because that's what Jesus told Nicodemus. Except the man is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. That's what, that's what Jesus himself said to Nicodemus. And so once we've experienced that, we enter into the kingdom and his kingdom is eternal. And we are in transition. That's what this is right here. This is, this is transition. We are, we are in the door, walking with the Lord to our eternal destination. We're not saved yet. Anything can happen. Things can go wrong. I can begin to reject God's instruction and his, his counsel. And I can walk away from this and be lost. So I heard Brother Raymond Woodward say this. Salvation is one of the most elastic terms in the scripture. Because it's not once saved, always saved. We are being saved. This walk until the end is salvation. It's justification at the new birth and it's sanctification as we walk towards our eternal reward and then we will be glorified. So it's, it's justification, then sanctification, and then one day there will be glorification. But while we walk on this earth, we're being sanctified. He's making us more like him with every step. I'm losing a little bit more of myself. Uh, he's making us holy in his lightness and he's leading us to accomplish his will and purpose. He has a plan and a purpose for his bride. He's got a plan and a purpose for his church. Uh, there's gifts and callings in this house, uh, but they must be activated through faith and the spirit of the living God. You must believe that God is good and he can take you and lift you up uh, and accomplish his purpose in your life right now we have a taste of what's going to be like one day Right now we can have the ebbs and flows of the Spirit. And we can be in moments where we feel God's love. And we feel His grace and mercy come showering over us. And then sometimes it lifts from our life. And, and we're like, oh no, I just want that back. Uh, I want to get that back. Uh, let me tell you, you keep looking the way that you're looking now. And one day there won't be any ebbs and flows. It'll just be all flows. One day we'll enter into the gate uh, and we'll experience everything uh, that He's prepared prepared for them who love him no more tears no more death no more sin no more disease no more no more mourning fight with the flesh no more midnight hour fight with the flesh no more struggle. One day it'll be worth it all. And if I can keep my eyes on the fact that this is all momentary and what I make right now, the decisions I make right now, they'll have an eternal reward. There'll be an eternal reward or there'll be a, an eternal punishment. But we're not going to get there without looking grace and mercy in the eye and dealing with it. It appears to every man. 
Nobody, not one person is going to be able to stand and say, well, God, I just didn't know. Then we make him a liar. As Titus said, the grace, of, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. It appeared to all men. But in the kingdom right now, right here, right now, I can tell you what we can experience on earth. While, while we're in transition, what we can experience is we can experience new realities in his kingdom. New realities that this world cannot comprehend, explain, or refute. Listen, some people might be able to say, well, that, that, that kind of thing just happens, and that kind of thing just happens. But let me tell you, we get into the demonstration of the spirit and power, and there will be things that will happen nobody can explain away. When you can see blinded eyes open up, when you can see deaf ears unstop, when you can watch cancers fall. Listen, that doesn't happen just because it decided to go away. Oh, but when somebody gets a hold of the faith and the expectation that God is still a miracle worker, that he can still do the miraculous, when you step up and believe and watch God do it, nobody can refute it. This is a new reality in the kingdom of God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. What is he saying? Ah, there's authority over the demonic world. And if we come in the name of Jesus, the kingdom, the kingdom has come. Oh, a new reality within the kingdom is power and authority. What we have in the kingdom of God as born-again saints, born-again believers, children of the living God, blood-bought, born of the water and the spirit, you have power and authority. Because Acts 1 and 8 said, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You know what? We've got power from on high. I tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. That's a new reality in the kingdom. I've got power. I've got power. Luke chapter 10, verse 8 through 9. And into what, whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are therein. And say unto them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Listen, inside the kingdom there is power over devils. There's power over diseases, illness, infirmity. Inside the kingdom, there is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Inside his kingdom, there is revelation and discernment and dominion. In his kingdom, there are weapons of warfare that tear down strongholds. In his kingdom, he has given us the ability to look into the world through the eyes of discernment and see the destruction that the enemy is causing. We might not be able to see the destruction in the, in the flesh. We, not, we might not be able to see it in our natural eye, but in the spirit, in the kingdom of God, we can discern and we can see the wickedness. We can see the destructive path that people are on because God reveals things to his people inside the kingdom there is revelation some of y'all looking at me like a goat looking at a new gate I wanted to use that line
heard Dr. Jeffers say, some of y'all look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. New realities within the kingdom is that there's power and favor and goodness and faithfulness. David knew this. We know this today because we got the word of God. What God said to us is if we keep his commandments, he'll be faithful to us. Deuteronomy discloses to us that the, uh, the God that we serve, he is the faithful God. And he keepeth covenant to them that love him and keep his commandments. If I love him and keep his commandments, you know what I have? I've got promises. I've got mercy. I've got a faithful God on my side. I've got somebody that I can lean on and depend on and know that when I've walked through the fire, I've got a faithful God walking with me. I'm not in this by myself. He is with me all the way because I'm part of his kingdom. I'm closing. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, we just pause for a moment and see that Paul is writing that God has things prepared for those who love him. This is another, this is another scripture that points to his goodness. God has things prepared for people who love him. Verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So, so in the kingdom, because this is what Paul was writing to, he was writing to the, to the church at Corinth there. They were already born again. He was, he was sharing, he was disclosing to them that, that God reveals things to his people. That the world doesn't see. And the world can't see. We ought to be so ecstatic that when we come here and God begins to show us things, either about ourselves or about our family or about our situation, that God's revealing things that we would never be able to find outside of these four walls or outside of the kingdom. He reveals things. If you want to see Him, He'll show you. The Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. So church, let me ask you this. Is there ever a situation that we should be on the out when we're in. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is there, is there ever a time that we shouldn't be receiving revelation? Well, he said that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Well, how else would we know that except for God reveal things to us? So, let me just try to get this across to you the best I can, which is very terrible. God will show you things if you let him show you, if you want to see, if you ask, if you... 
well, I don't know if God's going to give them to me. Why wouldn't he? Next time you have that thought, say, why wouldn't he? I'm his. He wants to reveal things to me. He wants to show me things, right? Verse 13. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. You need the Holy Ghost to, to share spiritual things. Spiritual insights, right? But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man doesn't have a clue. Like I said before, what the enemy wants people to do is he wants, he wants them to go out into this world and be completely oblivious to anything spiritual. Except for maybe his kingdom. Right? Because now, now we got all kinds of crazy para, paranormal things, right? All kinds of shows that talk about all these hauntings and all these terrible and all these spirits and all this. So we, you do have a, a, a crowd that wants to chase some of the crazy mystical things, but they don't understand it. They don't understand that there is a darkness, a wickedness. People are playing with fire. People are playing games, and they're, they're making a mockery out of it. Think that you can just play games and get the Ouija board out. Play with all kinds of perversion and think, oh, it's not real, it doesn't exist. Open up all kinds of things in someone's life, all kinds of wicked and perverse things. Ah, listen. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set my eyes on His kingdom, and I'm gonna lock in, and I'm gonna be ready for when the enemy comes at me. I'm gonna be locked and loaded with the Word of God because I don't want to be shaken. I don't want to be removed. I want to be steadfast, unmovable. I want to be able to be spiritually discerned. Fifteen. He that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's all stand. Psalms 103 and 19, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Inside the kingdom, God has things for his people. We have, we have the mind of Christ in this kingdom. We have the mind of Christ, who he is, he is, he is being formed in his, in his saints and his children. Can we just lift our hands right now? I know God has already done a mighty work.
in this house. But before you leave this place and you're confronted with the lies of the enemy, I want you to go home with this word that I'm a part of a kingdom that has no end. And I serve a king who has all power and authority. That his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And that there is nothing that can stop. He is already, he has already won. I am just here to help convince people to join. I'm not going to spend my life. I'm not going to spend my life doing nothing. I'm going to spend my life recruiting. I'm going to spend my life kingdom-minded. When the enemy shows up to disrupt and make me think that I'm nothing and I'm worthless, and I'm, I, I, gotta, I have to say I'm kingdom-minded, and I'm part of the kingdom where I have a good king who is leading and guiding me. God, I speak over your people today. I pray that they would have an increase of desire in their life for you, your kingdom, your will, your purpose. And that fear and intimidation and doubt and unbelief would have to, would have to relinquish its influence and have to be silenced because in your kingdom there is boldness and power and authority and we know who we are because you have called us to be yours you have separated us from the world and called us unto yourself and we are going to accomplish your will and purpose God I pray over every family every child Every man, woman, and child in this room, in this assembly, I pray, I pray over you, I speak over you, that God would lead you into deeper places and open up your understanding and allow you to see where you are and where you could be. God is trying to take us to the end, but it's not going to be dragging us. We're going to walk in authority and power. We're going to get there, and there's going to be increase, and there's going to be, there are going to be people saved. Family members are going to be saved because God's people are going to be awakened. Church, you're going to make a difference. God's for you. He's given you his power and his authority. He's waiting for you to wake up. It's time to wake up and get a hold of his kingdom and purpose. Jesus, Jesus, let it be accomplished according to your will and purpose. Complete the work that you started. We know that you will as long as we hold on to you and hold on to your word. Help us. Give us the strength to hold on. Give us the strength of the spirit to fight, to fight against our enemies, our adversary. Thank you, Jesus, for your power, for your strength for your goodness. God, I pray that you would help your people see it and understand it. Amen. Jesus' name, amen. You all ready for a fiesta?
my wife is going to come up, make a few announcements here, and kind of talk about whatever. We want to say how good it is to have our guest. Is it Travis and Holly? First time guest today. Um, have y'all had a, a guest? Yeah, give them a hand. Can you make sure they get a guest card? Thank you. And we want to welcome y'all. We're having a fiesta fundraiser over in our fellowship hall today. And so for our church body, there is a cost for that. But you all can stay and eat with us for free if you'd like. We'd love to have you. It's going to be a taco bar, ice cream bar. There's a salsa competition. Somebody's going to win the golden pepper today. So we got a, at least three entries, I know. So I, I'm going to be heading over to get the competition part set up. Um, and uh, But again, for our church family, it is a fundraiser. We're raising money to send our young people to NAYC. We've still got some kids that we want to send to camp that we're raising money for. So for adults, 13 and up, it's $10. Um, kids, 6 to 12 is $6, 5 and under. You're going to eat for free. If you're entering the salsa competition, that's going to be $10, okay? So um, we want you all to join us. If, if you want to join and you're just in a tight spot and you can't do that, I want you to come see me, okay? Because this is also a time of fun and fellowship. We're going to raise some money, but we also want to have a good time together, amen? And we're going to eat some good food. All right, thank you. We'll see you over there. You're dismissed. <laughs>